0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast This is episode number 230 My name's Adam Patterson Joining me today we got Kevin Rakestraw How you doing Kevin?
1: I'm doing alright Good Yeah
0: That's excellent Yeah Did you do your your sidewalk business or whatever you had to do?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. What What were you doing? Grinding down sidewalks Grinding down sidewalks You just gotta grind them sidewalks down Why? Because the township is like you gotta, you gotta do something about these sidewalks. The gaps are too much. There's too much of a discrepancy between the blocks. Oh. And it's it's not good for people with wheelchairs or people with strollers. So you gotta level them out. Huh? And yeah. and you and how did you do that?
0: You had Big stone grinder. You, had a, you rented rented a stone grinder. <laughs>
1: you had to rent a stone grinder. And I'm out there with my neighbor that I essentially just met yesterday. Because he had to do something. So it's just me and my neighbor bonding, grinding down some sidewalks. Nice. Fuck you, township. Sounds like a
0: good Sunday afternoon to me. Oh my god, that's
1: the worst. <laughs> I, did that for, I did that for three hours. Ugh. It was three hours.
0: Mm. Did- I breathed then so much concrete. <laughs> you have uh, mesothelioma now.
1: That <laughs> concrete, lung. I think that's what they call it.
0: Uh, all right. Well, this week on the show, we'll be talking about Park Chan-wook's *The Handmaiden*, alongside Ty West's latest *In a Valley of Violence*. We're also going to be talking about some of the other stuff we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Uh, I got a couple things in the news that I wanted to highlight this week. No. Mainly, mainly some trailers that came out no. that got me really excited this week. *Guardians of the Galaxy* Volume Two got a first teaser trailer. Uh-oh. Very very excited for this. I know you weren't big on the the first one, but I had a blast with it, and I think that the the sequel is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they released a new teaser poster for it as well. It's a really cool kind of black and white poster. Uh, very excited about that one. Um, Logan got a trailer. The new Wolverine movie.
1: I actually got got around to watching that. Yeah.
0: what What did What did you think? Are you?
1: I just I. No, no let's
0: not before before we continue. Let's not include the fact that they they play the the Johnny Cash song. I know that
1: that is an overplayed yeah. song. I get <laughs> but it. I like right off the bat, I was just like, oh, yes, God. it is an overplayed <laughs> like, song. But it's just not... it's weird because it doesn't seem like a like. Does that need to be a Wolverine movie? That's what has me it's excited just, though. Is that that's if, just weird because it's like oh, it's a midnight special, but with Wolverine. <laughs>
0: That's what kind of has me excited about it though is that it doesn't at least from the tone of the trailer it doesn't seem like a typical X-Men movie and yeah. that has me more excited the fact that they're they're it's based on the the comic book series Old Man Logan which takes place in the distant future and he has to protect uh that that girl who is um actually sort of his daughter like a cloned She's a clone, oh my god. but she what? she has claws. At least in the comic book, she has claws as well.
1: Oh boy! Oh goodness! Everybody's got claws now.
0: She only has two. If it follows the comic books,
1: is that because she's she's younger? Like when, as she gets older, does she get more claws? I don't know. You think?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. Either way, very excited for Logan. I like the the title card. Very simple, not flashy. I'm just I'm into it. Assassin's Creed got a new trailer as well. This I, I'm oh, with this one. It's like I'm still really up in the air about this. I want it to be good. There's some really good, talented people behind it, but I'm just it, the way that it's being marketed. It feels like uh, a video game movie. I mean, it just it, yeah, it feels like it's not being marketed correctly. Unless that's well, that's
1: why I kind of stopped with the watching of the trailers.
0: I'm just not on board with the uh with the marketing for this one and I'm worried that that's going to reflect it's it's a reflection of the actual movie itself.
1: Probably not.
0: I hope not. I mean I, I like with with the people involved I just can't see that. Like I can't see Michael Fassbender and um uh, the director, I can't what's his name? Uh also just, I know his Yeah, Justin? Kursle. Justin Kersel. Yeah. I can't imagine him along with uh Cotillard and Fassbender. Being like, you know, making making this, yeah, silly. I, th- I would think video that it's more order.
1: just trying to sell it to a mass audience, and then pulling an the old switch. Uh, that's, what to the theater.
0: that's what I'm hoping.
1: That's what I'm hoping. Get that switcheroo. When there. I first
0: saw the Logan trailer, I was worried that they were gonna do the opposite with Logan, where they're kind of downplaying.
1: <laughs> they they're
0: kind of downplaying the comic book movie. Tropes in the in the first trailer, but then when you actually see the movie, it's gonna be like you know. It's funny because you old... think at
1: that point in time, like when it comes to the marketing of the film, they know what the people want. So why don't you just make that movie instead, instead of just doing all this finesse in the marketing? Why don't you? Just... Well, it's <laughs> like because, when you're they, to, like, it's because they always it so It's, it's <laughs> the same. That...
0: I I liken it to the the way that teasers versus trailers. Are cut together whenever you see a teaser it's always it always makes it look good it's like oh man like i really want to see that like that because they always they tend to make teasers
1: more uh more creatively and more more flashy well, yeah. than well, than that, the actual full trailer when that and you're not working with a lot of information the more information you get the more detrimental it becomes yeah like if i were just to say like hey new wes anderson you'd be like awesome and then I feel like I was like, you know, oh, it's Wes Anderson doing like the history of God, I don't needle know. Needle blenders. Yeah, needle <laughs> blenders is needlepoint crochet. You'd be like, uh, I don't know about that. And then you'd be like, Hey, it stars Adam Sandler. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you just keep giving more like, ah. Uh, but if you just keep it simple and just like a little tiny nugget, because then you get your imagination gets to run wild. Like, oh my God, this movie can be anything. Yeah, that's true. But I, the, you know, the more they add to it, you're like, "Oh, so this it looks like this movie's going to be this thing," which I don't like.
0: I know. No, I'm just I'm hoping that the studios take more chances and try new things and be a little more risky. I mean, we're 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 starting <laughs> to see it.
1: I, I guess, but we're at the same a little time, bit. we just got done talking about the
0: eighth Wolverine movie. <laughs> well, it's the last one, so I mean, technically, it's. It's only his third movie really? that, that's about him.
1: Oh. It, it so. honestly feels like this is the eighth one. I liked
0: the second one, The Wolverine. I thought that was good.
1: Mm. Yeah. I don't know if I even saw the second one. It's
0: it's really good up until... Towards the end, it gets very comic book-y and it and it falls apart a little bit, but everything up until that point, it's pretty great. Because it's different. It carries a different tone than... Your typical superhero movie, and that's I think that's what people want. I mean, people want something different. They want they want something new, and I think that that's like like uh, the first Captain America movie when I first found out and was was announced, and they said it was going to be taking place in World War II. I was like, what? That's that's crazy. I never imagined that they would do something like that because yeah. at that time it was like completely unheard of to try anything different, even remotely different than giant beam coming out of the sky blowing up a city. And of course they went back to that later, but they're just (laughs) dipping their toes in. And I heard that Doctor Strange is really true to the comic book so it's very, it's this kind of psychedelic mind trip movie.
1: That was weird. I saw the first trailer for that. I didn't know all those people, right? Oh yeah,
0: a lot of people.
1: It's just like, what? I'm confused. And
0: Scott Derrickson directed that Sinister. Oh. Yeah. The first Sinister, not the second. Uh, the, only, the only other thing that I wanted to just briefly touch on was the fact that uh, AT&T and Time Warner are uh, merging, or rather AT&T is buying Time Warner. And okay. this may not mean anything for movie watchers, but the fact that AT&T, a communications company, now owns essentially Warner Brothers could mean some changes. Because Time Warner has a stake, their share, they have part ownership of Hulu, so that there could be some changes there. And they also, obviously, Warner Brothers Studios, which is one of the biggest studios in the country. And then we have TV networks like CNN and the Turner, and uh, all the different Turner networks as well. So it could. I mean, they also own HBO, so that's that's another big thing. So. I don't know that there, there could be some uh, some new things coming after this this buyout business takes place. Hopefully not. I, I just I'm just tired of these giant studios taking over everything. And we're, I mean, it's we've talked about it before, and it's it's like essentially the same thing that's happening within society, where the middle class is kind of just extinct at this point.
1: We're getting. We're just working our way towards the Know, like a dystopian future where there's just one company i think that's what it that is everything <laughs> that's what's that's what's happening here We're in there. We're slowly marching our way there
0: yeah so I'm, i don't know if i'm really on board with this whole buyout thing but i guess we'll see how it goes it's probably going to take years for it to actually go through because it is such a big uh major acquisition or buyout or whatever you want to call it that the uh the feds are going to be heavily involved with this as far as terms and everything. Yeah. So we we probably won't see any kind of ramifications from this for a long time. And hopefully it won't mean anything as far as uh the movie side of things. I mean, I, I'm sure that from now on everybody's going to be using AT&T s- so cell phones and things. We're going to see a lot of a lot more product placement.
1: <laughs> yeah. AT&T everything.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, let's talk about our first movie this week. Uh, let's do In a Valley of Violence. Let's start with that. All
1: right, get it.
0: This is written and directed by Ty West. I have a synopsis here. A mysterious stranger and a random act of violence drag down. Drag a town of misfits and nitwits into the bloody crosshairs of revenge. The stars Ethan Hawke, John Travolta. Toby Huss is in there. Big fan of Toby Huss. James Ransome. Uh, Burn Gorman's in there. Larry Fessenden, Tysa Farmiga. Did I mention John Travolta?
1: I think so. Karen, Karen Gillan. Yeah. Which? Where's she from? Guardians I know I of the Galaxy. I ask that every time. Maybe it, it might have been it. She's
0: from Guardians of the Galaxy and Oculus.
1: Oculus. I think I did. <laughs> it's come back. I'm, I think I'm pretty sure that I have said that when I talked about Oculus and Guardians. Yeah, I think the so. Galaxy. She, 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 she's, somebody, guess, like, who's <laughs> she's
0: somebody who you always seem to misplace like, who are you all right so i guess i'll start off within a valley of violence uh as being the resident ty west fan i think you hate you fucking hate ty west so much
1: <laughs> no actually he's all right I, li- I like i like
0: his stuff his stuff is uh Maybe maybe not his first couple movies. I mean, I guess I don't really count Cabin Fever 2, but his uh, is certainly The Innkeepers and House of the Devil. Uh, I I those are still my favorites of his. Um, I thought that some of his uh, what was the uh, what was the Jonestown one that he did called? I can't even oh,
1: remember. Oh God, Sacrament.
0: Yeah, I mean that was that mm-hmm. that was just it's it felt so derivative. And in a lot of ways, I think *In a Valley of Violence* is also very derivative. Um, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. This, to me, felt like a Western version of *John Wick*, or just *John Wick* with a uh, with a within a Western theme. Yeah. Because th- there were a lot of similarities. Um, there were some, there were plenty of differences too. But as far as the similarities go, I mean, obviously it's it's about if you see the if you see the trailer, it's uh, Ethan Hawke plays this kind of uh, lone stranger going through this just passing through this sleepy town he has this dog some stuff goes down and the dog gets killed and he goes back for revenge uh that's pretty much the basis of john wick too there's yeah. there's a lot of kind of clever dialogue and comedy injected into this and i've and, and it's been a while since i've seen john wick but i seem to remember that also being the case with john wick
1: i think there was a little bit in there
0: maybe more so in this movie yeah, oh, there's also definitely. far less action in this movie. This I don't know if I would classify this as an action movie per se, uh, because no. really he's just going up against what five people, and yeah. th- which is interesting because when I first when I started watching it and I saw the setup, I was like, where are they going to go with this? Because in westerns normally it's either one person or a group of people versus essentially a whole town or an army of people, a whole gang of people. So then you can have these big massive shootouts with high body counts, but in this movie it was, very, it was a very small scale. There was like 10 people that live in this town, and five yeah. five and of I them were trying to kill this, you know, kill this guy.
1: And I don't, I don't know if the, the name the Valley of Violence is really warranted. I know, it's, it seemed like a very peaceful town. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a town of like nine people.: Yeah, and all like five, five, six of them are all on the same side seven if you want to stretch it to yeah to uh what's her name mary mm-hmm. she's kind of just like trying to make the best of the situation i guess yeah <laughs> there's like what there's the barkeep there's the guy that runs the general store mm-hmm. and then there's I didn't, there was like two other people maybe like in the background there was a woman
0: there was another woman because i actually took note of that there was a scene where a woman she was yeah. like running across the the way and I was like, where did she come from? I thought there was only two women
1: that lived in this town. Yeah. And I just, I find it difficult to believe that all of them would be surviving. Yeah, no, there's just... There's, it didn't seem like they had much. No, there's
0: nothing there. But that was actually, was, I mean, that was a plot point. It was the fact that there, this was a silver silver mining town, and the mine dried up, and everybody left. So there was only a few people left.
1: And now you got this corrupt deputy... Mm -hmm. doing his thing, which uh, mm, I don't know about his performance. James Ransom? Yeah, I I like James Ransom, but I just thought he was too much. Well
0: that that, that was one thing. yeah, he was very he was very he was hamming it up. He was playing the Western villain. Yeah, which and I
1: don't yeah, and I don't put that on him. I think that's more Ty West's fault because obviously he was okay with it. Because I didn't have a we know it's just I, I just couldn't take it. And by the time he gets where they're because to me, it, it's kind of the same thing as the Greasy Strangler, but not as bad, where they just belabor certain scenes and they just go on and on. And they're trying to inject this humor into it. And to me, it's just it wasn't working whatsoever. It's just to me, it was just kind of like masking the fact that you really don't have much to do here. You just there's not really anything going on it's just Ethan
0: Hawke trying to kill a couple guys. I think that in a lot of ways, that's the way Ty West makes his movies. He 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 does stretch things out. I mean, if you look at a lot of his other movies, he do, he does the same thing where he takes a very simple premise and yeah. really really pulls it pulls it tight.
1: And I and I think it works well enough in like House of the Devil and The Innkeepers. To me, that makes sense because you know you have a horror movie. It's not going to be nonstop horror throughout. You got to you got to kind of like stretch it out. You got to create some tension in between your horror elements, either your scares or whatever. So you're going to have some just natural dialogue between people, which makes sense. Well, and also but here, also with those
0: movies, it aided in establishing connections with the characters. Whereas in this movie, the only character you really need to establish any kind of connection to is Ethan Hawke, and maybe Tysa Farmiga, maybe yeah. her. The rest of the people are e- either the, the villain, who I guess you could try to form some sort of connection to, but y- you don't really within the context of this movie, and thugs, like you know the, the deputies, or I guess they're not, I don't even know what they are, just cronies. Just <laughs> Yeah, the, I mean, you, you don't need to establish any kind of connection to them at all, so time spent trying to develop these characters seems kind of frivolous. Like, there's no, there's no real point to it. Now, that isn't to say that I didn't think the characters were interesting because I thought that they were way more fleshed out and entertaining to watch than something like Magnificent Seven. Like, it, yeah, well, yeah. It, comparing these two movies, I mean, both westerns, you know, both have, I guess, similar Ethan themes, home. you know, in the broad sense. But for me, this was leaps and bounds above that as far as how, okay, yeah. how as, as far as plot, dialogue, you know. And just entertainment factor, even though that this is a much uh, smaller scale movie, there aren't as many characters and there's not as much, you know, shoot them up, shoot em up action stuff. I thought that it was way more effective in this than in that yeah. movie.
1: No. Yeah. It was definitely better than Magnificent Seven. But that, I mean, Magnificent Seven for me was trash. And this <laughs> is just like fresh trash, I guess. Like this is fresh trash like i just threw this out magnificent seven's been sitting in the dumpster for like it's mm, been stagnating yeah and it's been hot it's been like a hot couple of days so it's got that like it's everything's starting to break down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. got that smell to it yeah. that's what magnificent seven is in a valley of violence that is just i just threw this stuff out i just threw out a head of cabbage and a gallon of milk okay i got you i feel you so it's, it's not that bad but it's still it's still garbage uh, I, I would not call this
0: movie garbage. I think it's, this I, is garbage. I, this is a garbage movie.
1: This is... Why the fuck is this thing so long? It, it's... and it's, What is it, an
0: hour and 45 minutes?
1: It's an hour and 45 minutes. We got 10 or so minutes with Tubby saying that he would like to be called Lawrence. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And then you have like five minutes. And these are just estimates, by the way. Five minutes of Travolta telling Tubby, like, go out there go out there. It's like, f- fucking speed it up already. And then what else is there? There's a lot of scenes like that. Oh, the, the scene where uh, Ransom Gilly is in the room with the, the two sisters and he's just going, He and I mean, he hams it up for that section. Just going on and on.
0: Yeah, that, that was a little bit too much. But it sounds to me like one of the issues you had was you had a problem with the comedy. It sounds like, the comedy I wasn't a huge, working.
1: Well, I had a problem with a lot of the dialogue really. And just stretching it out. See, I I didn't I, I, didn't I liked it, the dialogue. The only, I thought the dialogue was, was pretty clever.
0: The only dialogue I liked really was Travolta. And that, yeah, that was I thought Travolta was a great character because you, you going into it, I was like, oh, he's gonna be the big the big bad guy. And the his character is a lot different than what you
1: expect. And I, yeah. I, I felt that that was pretty refreshing. Because <laughs> I gotta say, I was kind of surprised, like when he f- first shows up. And it, to me, I thought he showed up kind of early. Yeah, he does. And I'm like, man, this is kind of early in the movie. And then he shows up, and they just have kind of have like a, di- like this discussion, and then that's kind of it. And you're like, okay, yeah. what? Like I thought he was the the big time baddie, but it doesn't play out that way. But then you're right. It t- it you I mean it turns into John Wick, really? And they—if
0: you see the trailer for this—they again—they let you know that that's what this is. It's so I—I I knew that premise going into it, and that's the thing. Uh, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of new here. There's not a lot of originality. I guess uh, that sounds more harsh than I mean it because I had I had a really fun time with this movie I liked the dialogue I liked the banter I liked how a lot of the dialogue felt contemporary it didn't feel like it should have been happening in the 1800s especially with like Karen Gillan like her character (laughs) like she didn't even try like she wasn't even trying to
1: act like a person living back then (laughs) No, and it was kind of jarring at first like when she first comes out, and you're like, wait, is this like a full-on comedy Western? Because up until this point, everything was kind of serious and we're kind of making Ethan Hawke be this badass. Mm -hmm. Like the first, you know, the initial sequence with Byrne Gorman's character, I was hooked there. I was like, okay, I'm in. I like the sound of this. And then, you know, once again, James Ransom just talks for fucking ever leading up to that, and then she comes out which her character feels completely out of place compared to everyone else. It was just, it was very jarring. Yeah, it was
0: definitely jarring, but I also think that James Ransone's character, he he didn't feel like uh, a character that would be living back Man, then either. Uh, several of the characters, just the way that they spoke and kind of emoted, it, just it didn't it didn't feel like a uh, you know a period piece like that. But I that didn't bother me I, at all. Like, I don't know. I think it it wasn't done to the point where it was overt. It was, it was kind of done in a, in a more subtle way. I don't even know if it was intentional, honestly. Like, I, because some, some characters like Larry Fessenden felt like, you know, he felt like a, um, an old timey Western movie, uh, henchman. Like, yeah. And same with, uh, with, with tubby, Tommy, no Hilly's character. Yeah they they felt like western and even burn gorman too i guess is the priest but yeah i don't know i i do love that as soon as i saw larry Fessenden, i was like well i wonder how he's going to get killed <laughs> spoiler
1: he gets killed yes i've been seeing him in a lot he, it seems like yeah it seems like he's popping up everywhere yeah he it's yeah, barbara crampton they they yeah, they're they're definitely turning him out who who's going to make that movie you know someone's gonna end up
0: with both of them. Both
1: of them. Uh they're. Pro- I wonder if you're allowed to. They're probably. Maybe you're not.
0: They can't be at the same place at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that being like an unwritten rule where you can't have both of them.
0: I would not be surprised in the slightest if they've already been in stuff together because they've both been in a shitload, and they're but, in, they're in a shitload more coming out,
1: and yeah, like nine hundred movies each.
0: Twelve. Uh, Larry Fessenden has twelve movies that have not come out yet. What, this year? Well, some, some of them are into the, into the future. Yeah, some of them are slated for next year. There's a couple shorts in there too. One short. So my guess is I that Barbara no, Crampton's he, in he, at least one of those.
1: Well, how he produced certain women. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I have a feeling that he's, in one way or another, he's involved in every single movie made in America.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he is definitely one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest voices in American indie filmmaking. That's for sure. He's he's the I think he's the think the owner or founder of Glass Eye Picks. Oh, really? Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's like a big uh, big time New York uh, indie indie guy. I've seen a number of his movies too. I mean, his his horror movies that he directs are all are very they're very different. They all have uh, kind of a distinct style to them as well. Big fan. Yeah, I
1: don't, I don't think I've ever gotten around to seeing any of his films that he's directed.
0: They're good. Some, some of them are are not amazing, but I'd check out a few of them.
1: I'd do that. I'd do that. Hopefully it'll be better than an Valley Violence. Mm, I didn't like you know. this. I really I disliked my time with this movie. It's just outside of Travolta, really. Nothing worked for me.
0: The end didn't really work for me. I can't get into it without spoiling it. But the kind of
1: <laughs> that was just hilarious. <laughs> the, the... For... <laughs> and you just and for the one so, person to be goofy. surprised after the dust settles to be surprised, yeah. Like it was just what did you think yeah. was going to happen? It
0: just it felt really strange. The way it was, it was shot, just... the way it was presented. It was just I don't know. I was like, what? <laughs> what is happening here? It was, uh, it almost felt like, um, I don't know, for some reason I got a Death Proof vibe to it at the, at the towards the end, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, then, I don't know. Death- I mean,
1: it's got a good dog, too. That oh, yeah, the
0: dog, the dog steals the show. It's funny, because it, I, I, at the beginning, I was like, oh, well, maybe they won't kill the dog. Maybe, maybe it's something else, but, yeah, they do.
1: Yeah, you know that dog's getting killed. But at least they got that, that blanket roll up in. Mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah. That's good stuff. Very well-trained dog.
0: Dog does lots of tricks in this movie. Covering the eye. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much
1: all I have to say about In a Valley of Violence. Good score. Yeah, the score actually was pretty good. I enjoyed that as well. So I would go go Travolta score. Good dog. What would you think about Ethan Hawke? Ethan Hawke was just more of Ethan (laughs) Hawke. It's just like, like, oh, Ethan Hawke character. Cool. I've seen you do this before he doesn't have much range it seems like well
0: no, but in most of his movies he talks he's just talk. he has a lot of dialogue i mean yeah i guess that's Which, mainly the rick the link letter thing but he talks a lot in a lot of his movies and in this movie he's uh very subdued kind of quiet he's a subdued yeah. hawk
1: i don't know he didn't work for me Ethan hawk didn't work for me in this one
0: i thought he was fine i i didn't i mean i think that you could have replaced him with a lot of other it's, people it's, and it would have been the same. It's not like yeah. he added much to the role, but no. I like Ethan Hawke, so. I was cool. I like I Ethan cool Hawke too,
1: but mm, that's just a wasted damn time.
0: I had a good time with it. I I like revenge stories. Uh the the western for me has not tired out just yet. I could probably handle a few more of them before I'm done.
1: Put it down. Put it
0: down. Kill it. Yeah. I could, I could do a couple more, but uh, they, they'll have to be something different. Like for me, I also got shades of Bone Tomahawk with this one, which was definitely doing a disservice to this movie because Bone Tomahawk was, in my opinion, so much better. Like they handled the comedy a lot better in Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, and
1: that and that's one of the things that I can't quite wrap my head around within A Valley of Violence because there's moments where it seems like it's trying to go for like the B-Western and are just kind of having like a good time with it. And there's other times where it's extremely serious. So It's like, I just can't put my finger on what, what it's trying to be. Oh, maybe it's just trying to be a little little bit of both, Kevin. A little bit of both. Well, you failed. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you did a poor, piss poor job with both of them. And then you put both of those together. And just, it didn't work. I also had a really great
0: uh, intro sequence. The, the title sequence.
1: Yeah, that's right. The animation was pretty good there, which yeah, kind of got you kind of got amped up, especially with that initial sequence with Ethan Hawke and the priest. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: It's like, all right, let's do this. That was a great opener. All right. In a Valley of Violence, you can check this out right now in limited release and on video on demand. I'm going to give it a six out of 10.
1: I'm going to give it a three.
0: Mm, That's a shame. (laughs) That's not, it's better than the sacrament. Oh well, yeah. I think it's. I think it's definitely better than the sacrament. I didn't hate <laughs> yes. the sacrament, but this I to me, this was sacrament. a lot better than that. Mm. I'll be interested to okay. see what he what he does next. the The other thing to 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 mention is that this one was far. I mean, it's not a horror movie at all. Like, it's not even. Yeah. It's there's there's well, it is the violent. It. There's violence even in there, the, but you know the title's a little bit misleading. Yeah, you you like you kind of think that it's going to be chock full of it, but Right off the bat, when I realized that he was only going up against five people, I was like, well, what can you... I mean, you can't have that much going on with only five versus one here. And it's interesting, though, because what he does is he... I forgot to point this out, is that he kind of switches perspective. So, like, the beginning, up until Ethan Hawke goes on his quest for revenge, I mean, you stay with Ethan Hawk the whole time, but then after he gets back to the town in order to kill everybody. You switch perspectives to the guys he's hunting and it almost turns into sort of like a pseudo slasher movie where they don't know where he is and they know that they're being hunted by him. Yeah. So it's kind of this interesting Which... perspective shift and that's, and then that's where you have a lot of the kind of bumbling goofy moments with Tubby and yeah.
1: Cause they, they, they don't seem to know what they're doing. Cause it's not even like Ethan Hawks is like super badass. <laughs> he's just kind of like a dude trying to get well, to Mexico. Yeah,
0: the, and the funny thing is, like, he doesn't even try to do anything badass. Like when he first gets there, he just walks right into the center of town. <laughs> like he's not even trying to do anything crazy. Yeah, it's just he just doesn't give a fuck.
1: It, no, I Well, I mean, he doesn't really have much to live for. It seems like. No, no. If you don't have that that dog doing those tricks to kind of keep you company on your way to Mexico, I mean, there's really no point. Yeah. I would agree with that.
0: All right, let's move yeah. on. Talk about our next film, *The Handmaiden*. Mm. This is directed by Park Chan-wook or Chan-wook Park.
1: It depends on what,
0: uh, what website you're on. Yeah, it's how, however you want to, however you want to say it. Uh, I'm feeling that there's like a very certain way that it's supposed to be said. I think there is. And, uh, I think there is. There, it's like different instances. Like if it's if you're referring to him in one context it's like one way but i i I tried to find i actually tried to figure out what that was last night and i couldn't quite figure it out it seems like nobody knows uh i mean american audiences don't know yeah i have a synopsis here a woman is hired as a handmaiden to a japanese heiress but secretly she is involved in a plot to defraud her
1: well it's not not really a secret then is it putting it right there in the synopsis
0: well it's it's a secret from the, the heiress Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. This is based on a novel by Sarah Walters. It's a, I think it's a British novel, okay. if I'm not mistaken. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, it, this takes place in uh, the 1930s. Okay.
1: All right. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What did you think of The Handmaiden? <laughs> oh, okay. So I watched In a Valley of Violence first, right? And I was like, God damn it, that was long. So, well, time to finally sit down and watch the Hamlet. <laughs> let me ch- let me check the runtime on this sucker real quick. Yeah. And it was just me, just seeing it and just going, God, you got me. This kidding. one's a, this
0: one's a long one, yeah. This one's like two and a half hours long, almost. And um,
1: this this movie looks great. Looks great. Performances, good stuff. That's that's all I got. I just I wasn't feeling this one. I don't. It's just. Just the, the entire structure of the story and the way the story is told, like the execution of it, I'm just, I want no part of this, really. Really? It just got, it got tiring after a while because it's essentially just like, okay, this is, this is the, uh, this is the con. And we talk through the con and they show you everything that the con's going to be. This person's going to do this thing. This person's going to do this. This is who they're conning. This is how they're going to do it, and then it goes up to that point, and then it stops. And they're like, "Ha ha!" So this is the con. This is the person. This is the other person doing the con. This is what this person does. And then it gets up to a point, and it's like, "Aha!" So this person is doing this, and it's just like, "Oh my god!" I mean, we, we so many people shit talking Christopher Nolan for expository shit, and this is that's all this movie is. It's just explaining the con to you the entire time. It's,
0: it's funny because in this, you're you're about an hour, almost an hour and a half in. And you it feels like it's the end. But then you yeah. realize there's like 45 minutes to an hour to go. And it's like, where are they going from here? <laughs> that's, a, that's what I mean. And then, you know, they kind of switch it.
1: Yeah. And then they go back and you're like, oh. Yeah. And, and it's... They just explain everything again, and then they switch it and explain everything again. And it's just like, okay, are you just going to explain to me everything in the movie? Is that what we're doing? You're just walking, you're taking my hand and walking me through everything for two hours and 25 minutes. That's what we're doing. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that.
0: I actually didn't mind it, although I will say that it was, the way that it was structured was very exhausting. I feel like maybe there would, there would be a better way to present this information than getting to the end and then rewinding back to almost the beginning and then playing it through again.
1: Yeah. It does. It felt like that. Like you're right. Like you get to that hour mark and it takes you back to the beginning and be like, Hey, here's the alternate timeline. And you're like, we're going through the entire movie again. Are you serious? Yeah. Because
0: it's showing you, it's showing you a different angle that you didn't even know about it was
1: going on which is funny cuz if anyone else did that people would be shitting all over it just shitting all over it cuz pretty much everyone hates that a lot of people hate it i don't know just i don't about know. For, for
0: me it didn't it didn't it didn't bother me yes i was feeling uh i was definitely feeling the the uh the strain of that for sure but i guess maybe it was because I was really into the narrative and I was into I was interested by these characters and I just wanted to see where it would go because there was I think maybe that's what it was just the 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 story in and of itself was enough to keep me hooked so it didn't I didn't mind it so much when they went all the way back and showed us everything from the the other angle like the real like what really was going on behind the scenes yeah and and but that and along with the the visuals uh well that's that really
1: because the visuals are fantastic yeah
0: i mean that that's what really propels this movie because when i first the the i said it before in a previous episode this is probably the best trailer to be released this year it's an amazing trailer i'm not a big fan of period pieces and reading the little you know one sentence synopsis of this i was like eh, i'll see it because it's park chan wook but i don't know if i'm going to be into this it just seemed it, it didn't seem like it was going to be my kind of movie but uh upon watching it and i've seen it twice now um uh, upon watching it and then subsequently rewatching it i mean it's Definitely not what I expected. I, I I thought that the twists and the turns and like there's this kind of perverse humor in this movie that I really that I can't really quite put my finger on, but I was really enjoying it because it's not it's not funny per se, but there's just these like kind of weird little things that he I mean he does it in all his movies. Yeah, yeah, just these small little nuggets of absurd comedy, little
1: injections.
0: And I and I liked all that stuff, and it was it was also kind of weird, you know. It was kind of odd a lot of the things, especially with the, uh, oh, what was the the, the, ox, the main the auction? the main guy, the 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 old man. He wasn't a count because the con guy was the oh uh, yeah, yeah the uncle
1: the yeah uh,
0: the uncle. He was just such a creepy creepy old man with his black tongue and.
1: Yeah, which it seemed like he was kind of licking that pen.
0: Oh, he was just eating. He just just should have started drinking that ink because he was licking that pen so much. He loved it. He loved that ink.
1: (laughs) It's just that he licked it like seven (laughs) times before. I I don't think you have to lick a pen that many times. Like, I understand that you have to lick the pen, it helps. I don't know if he had to do it that often. It just seems a bit too much. Well, he was crazy. I think you're just diluting the ink at that point in time. It's be you know you're you're you fucking up the mixture, because you're probably working with like seventy percent saliva, thirty percent ink at that point in time.
0: Well, let's uh let's step back a little bit and kind of go over the and plot not, plot, a, plot a little bit. talk
1: about the ink mixture. <laughs>
0: That wasn't your main takeaway? I feel I feel like we need to go over plot more when we review these movies. No, you don't. F- just watch the movie. It'll explain the plot to you for two and a half hours. I feel, I feel like when we review movies, we don't get enough into actually what the movie's about. And we just start into what we thought about them. And people that probably, people that haven't seen the movie are like, what are they talking about?
1: I don't even understand. Which I think that's better that way. See the movie first. You don't yeah, want to of know course.
0: Yeah I mean that's that's in an ideal world But sometimes people just want to hear if a movie's good or not Before <laughs> they go see it You know so With The Handmaiden It's pretty Actually the synopsis even though it's short It's pretty much on point It's basically about this this uh, this Korean girl Who is she, 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 Her mom was a, a Con person Con woman <laughs> I
1: like con person <laughs> It's got a really nice ring to kind of rolls. Well, off I feel the like
0: con. I feel like you know it's time to make con man gender neutral because there can be con women, so let's just call them con people. <laughs> She's she, her <laughs> mom's her mom's a con person who <laughs> uh, who was arrested and and hanged for her uh, conning of people, and she so she ends up growing she grows up in this kind of. Uh, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's like it's half, a car, it's
1: a con family. Yeah,
0: it is. It's like, it's half, uh, orphanage, half con factory where you, they, they train these, yeah. these people to become expert cons. Uh, and they can forge documents and things like that. And they, they, um, one of the, one of the con men that's familiar with the family comes up with this idea of having her infiltrate this rich family and, Try to get him to fall in love, or her to fall. In, uh, I'm making it even worse. <laughs> me, me trying to describe it is. I, I think this it, is why we don't do this. Yeah. Well, this movie's a little bit more complicated, so it's difficult. <laughs> she infiltrates this family as a maid, and uh, with the idea of defrauding her, and things don't end up the way that she wants. But there's a lot of twists and turns. Along the way where you, you know, there's double crosses, there's triple crosses. And you think that you th- you think that it's going one way. But then you find out that there was uh, an even bigger
1: plan happening yeah. behind the scenes. Then, then there's times where you're like, sweet Jesus, it's finally over. And then it's not. And then there's another time where you think that too, but it's not over. And it just keeps going. Yeah, it's, it's a long, it's a long movie. It is there's long. maybe, maybe even a quad cross in there. Do you think it goes quad cross it might there's there's lots <laughs> of twists and turns in there. It's a twisty one, it's a twisty one, but don't worry, you won't get confused because he'll explain everything to you yes yes there he'll walk he'll walk you right through it yep, there is a
0: lot of that you know the those scenes where like i don't I don't know if uh I don't know if a good example is like the oceans movies where they do the kind of montage overview of how they plan a heist. But it feels yeah. that it feels like that, where they it kind of feels like they that. look back and yeah. they and, he, and they look at all of the different things that they did in order to manipulate each other into getting where they are and trying to get this money. Yeah, but I trying liked it. That I, it. Maybe it was a little bit too expository when it came to that stuff. Uh, I, I maybe I was okay with it because I watched this on a plane, if you can believe that, and. If, you know, on a plane, it's like I can't. I try to devote a hundred percent of my attention to it, but you know, there's there's,
1: well, there's plane I'll things happening. You. See, and that's setting's good too because you're on a plane. There's not anything else that you could be doing, really. Like, so it's more than likely making your plane ride nicer. Yep. Yep. I could see that except, because it's it's like a bonus to the plane ride, except for the fact that there is a.
0: Uh, a few scenes of intensely graphic sex in this movie and on a plane, it's just awkward around people. Yeah, it was just, it was very awkward. So I was like dimming my screen and trying to like turn it away, but not turn it too much because if I turned it too much, then the person sitting behind me would be able to see. So I was like trying to get this perfect angle where nobody could see what I was watching because if somebody were to just walk by in the aisle or just glance over, it would look like I was watching porn. Like it, yeah. it would just look like I was straight up watching porn.
1: Which is probably what the talk of it was, like people getting off the plane and you're like, What about that guy watching <laughs> porn? Did you see him? <laughs> he kept trying to like hide it, but he wasn't <laughs> hide. Like we could all see it.
0: Yeah, I mean I couldn't dim the screen the whole way. I mean I had to see what was going on.
1: <laughs> uh
0: I don't know. Oh, what what did, what did you think of the uh the graphic sex scenes? The graphic sexual nature of this movie? It's all
1: right, I guess. I thought it was I guess well done. I, 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 I thought know. it was
0: well done. I didn't, I didn't, I thought that it was I didn't think that it was distasteful. Even though it was like pretty overt, I didn't find it I I thought that it was tastefully shot and it wasn't it didn't feel Unnecessary or extraneous uh, no, no, no. I, I felt like it, no, it
1: It definitely felt like it was part of the story yeah.
0: And there, there's just There's so many movies that you know put that stuff in Just you know for I don't know if, sh- if shock value is the right term But just to be more edgy And yeah, I yeah. It, it didn't get that Feeling with this even though it was very graphic
1: No because it was like It was a nice little respite because it was you know It's like alright he's not He's not telling me what's happening He's just showing me
0: did though like that was that was part of it too, and it was voiceover, and they were just <laughs> explaining what was happening.
1: She snapped, putting her <laughs> finger. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness!
0: Uh, yeah. Well, that's a shame. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was. I didn't think that it was my favorite of his movies, but uh, actually, looking back, maybe it was my. I think I still like this more than Thirst. Even though I I liked Thirst, but...
1: I haven't seen Thirst. And I know he does have a tendency to do it, because he did, he did it in Old Boy. Yeah, he doesn't... But at least he didn't... He does it in pretty much all of his uh, yeah, movies. Yeah, looking I back, feel...
0: I think he did it in all his movies. Yeah, I know he did it in Lady Vengeance.
1: Maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm wrong. But it's... It, I mean, for me, Handmaiden, it felt like it was like 90%. And it felt like the, his other films, it was kind of... He showed some restraint with it. But hell, I mean, I could be remembering wrong. Who knows?
0: I don't know. I mean, it's just maybe that's how the book was, too. The book might have been structured in a way where it went through is, from one yeah. person's perspective and then Which went, makes sense went back through it with book. another from another perspective.
1: That makes sense because it's a book. Like, of course, you're going to tell me what happened. If it's a book. <laughs> <laughs> the whole concept of a book is telling me what's going on. <laughs> it's just abstract shapes on pages. <laughs> Hopefully you can figure this out. It's a puzzle. Oh, I like that I like that idea. But, but it was like he's like, let's do a book, but as a film. So it's like a novel. But in a film form. And someone at some point should have been like, no, let's not do that. Let's make it a film
0: instead. I will I will agree that book. I think maybe the it could have been tightened up a little bit as far as the explanations of things. I thought that he he would rehash things that we saw before. Yeah. And I th-
1: I felt like maybe he could have cut more of that stuff out. Well, and also by by time, when you do it the second time around where you hit that one point and then you go back to the beginning and go through it again, when you come up to the next kind of like break and like shift where it comes to the explanation or even the second time through you're like you know what there's really no point in me watching this because at the end of it you'll just explain to me what really happened and not what i just saw because what i just saw was a, di- a diversion essentially just a string of red herrings and you'll explain to me what's really happening yeah so i, I mean... can just wait till we get to the end and then you can tell me what's going on because
0: when it hits that hour mark, when they're ready to do the rewind, essentially, you you know that there's more. There's just from the time code alone, you know that there's more to this than what we're seeing here. And you know that the, it's not all as it seems. So, yeah, I agree that it's, it's obvious that what we just
1: saw was not the whole truth. Yeah. I mean, it's like... So this movie is just a little bit shorter than the time I spent grinding down sidewalks. <laughs> the The grinding down sidewalks, although it hurt my body, like I can't feel my arms, my lower back hurts, my knees are in a lot of pain. Uh, it was re- more rewarding because it felt like I actually got something done. The The handmating, not so much. I don't feel like I really accomplished anything or found it to be an edifying experience. It looked really nice, though. I'll give it that. I mean, the production design on this sucker. Yeah. just Oh my
0: God. The house. And, felt, and, just...
1: <clears throat> and I want to ask you, because within like the first, I don't know, you know, half an hour or whatever, I was like, this feels like a Del Toro movie.
0: Yeah. It has this very just... gothic vibe yeah. to it. Just I think that a lot of it has to do with the, the house and then the kind of establishing shots within the house, the sweeping cameras and things like that. It's. It does have that kind of vibe to it. It it almost mm-hmm. it almost does have kind of a gothic horror look to it. Yeah. Um and even even the scenes outside of that, there was there's one scene that's one of my favorites, and it's it's just a it's a small shot, it's a significant one, but it's when uh one character is being committed to an asylum and he does this great slow mo shot. Do you know the one I'm talking about? It's just a it's just so. a brief thing. It's at that hour mark. And it's this great slow motion shot, and it just that shot alone. I was like, oh, it's just perfect, just perfectly yeah. framed. Yeah, it's a gorgeous movie.
1: It's it's uh, it's just. I mean, he's a he's a director with a skill. There's no doubt about it. And that's the main. I mean, that's the main thing that kept me kind of at least invested until the end. It's because of all of those aspects to it: the cinematography, the production design, and everything. It's just the, the actual, uh, the meat of it, just. Mm-mm.
0: And thinking back to yes. Stoker too, I think that there's a lot of the same kind of visual cues in Stoker.
1: Which I, uh, you know, I'll throw that out there. I don't really remember anything. I don't
0: either. either. I don't either. Like I, I t- sort of even forgot he did that movie until just now when I was thinking about it.
1: I just remember. I think she. I remember one shot sequence where she like runs down a slide and like out across the field and just the camera movement of that was fantastic and that's all all I remember
0: yeah I think I would I would also put this above Stoker now now that I'm that I'm remembering that that movie exists all right let's go ahead and give The Handmaiden a score Kevin what are you gonna give it
1: uh I'll give it six six and a half
0: I'm gonna go I'm at like a 7.58 on this one
1: did you say seven point five
0: eight? Yeah, somewhere
1: in between there. Or wait, are you saying seven point five and 8? Or eight? Or eight. Are you going Like seven point five okay. or eight. Like somewhere oh, Okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you were going like really detailed at 7.58. <laughs> oh, so, no, it's
0: so not seven point five. No, 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 no. Somewhere in between. So it probably be more like a seven point seven five. Okay. Some, okay. somewhere like that. So I'm like
1: a six point seven five, I guess.
0: All right. Let's move on. Oh, uh that is in limited release right now. So if it's playing in your area, give it a look. I would recommend uh, seeing this in the theater. Just make sure you use the bathroom before going in because it's a long one. Let's talk about some of the watching.
1: All right. I didn't see much this week. So uh, <laughs> I didn't either. I was I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was busy grinding the sidewalks down. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, you, you did mention that you were sidewalk grinding. <laughs> All weekend. Uh, I saw Nerve. This is directed by Ariel Schulman and Henry Juist. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, this. Some things about this.
0: Yeah. So this one was interesting because from the the trailers, I had no interest in it. I was like, eh, this it looks fine, I guess. It doesn't look that good, but I gotta say, I had such a great time with this movie. Probably one of the biggest surprises of 2016 for me. Uh, it's not an amazing movie by any stretch, but it, it just, it had me hooked, even though going into it, I was like, ah, I'm just kind of tired of the whole, you know, technology run amuck type thing where it's like, Oh, well they're, they're on social media and there's this new, new game and everybody's like hooked to their phones. And it's, but the way that it's presented is not only is it somewhat believable, But it was just incredibly entertaining. So it's basically, you know, it's similar to uh, the game or something like that where there's this mysterious uh, game that pops up online. You can either watch or be a participant in the game. If you're a participant, you basically get dares texted to you and you have a certain amount of time to complete that dare. And if you do, you get money if you either decide not to do the dare or... Uh, fail doing the dare you lose and you're out of the game it's, it's pretty simple okay. uh, but the thing is the, the dares continue to escalate until they become pretty dangerous uh, usually what happens
1: you kind of watch out for those games
0: the, the interesting thing so th- this takes place in New York City so that instantly gets bonus points for me And a lot of the areas that they choose are very kind of bright. Everything in this movie is neon, like neon, everything. And again, from the trailer, I was like, I don't like that. I don't like, I don't typically like the kind of neon color palette, but I felt like it kind of worked in this one. I actually really enjoyed it. It's a little cheesy, but for some reason, it just, it really worked for me on that, uh, on a visual level as well. Um, it stars Dave Franco and Emma Roberts. They were fine. They were, I like both of them and, uh, you know, they were, they were good in it. And, uh, I gotta say, I recommend it. I got, I recommend nerve. So check it out. I know it's weird. It's like, cause I, I watched it and I was like, Oh my God, I, I, I really liked that movie. So I went on letterboxd to log it. And I noticed that like a lot of other people liked this movie too. And, uh, so I thought that was kind of weird. I think that maybe the marketing for that one was just off, like they were really trying to and it is kind of a teen movie, and they were really trying to market it for the teens, which I think for me was kind of a, a turn off in the beginning, but the movie itself is actually quite good.:
1: I'll have to check out Nerve.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's worth, it's worth a look, just it's one that you should probably just turn your brain off going into it. And, and yeah. see, the the thing is with you, though, like you hate movies or I, I believe I'm putting words in your mouth that you hate movies that have a lot of like texting. Like I, isn't isn't it you that gets bothered with the texting that comes up on the screen and stuff? Because uh, there's a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of technology being used in this. A lot of people texting and looking at phones and responding I do. I to think apps it's just, and
1: stuff. I just don't I don't think um I don't think anyone's quite figured it out yet, <clears throat> like the best way to well I'd say give this
0: a look and see see if you like how they do it. It's nothing amazing I mean it's nothing uh that's that different, but since it's a movie that's all about looking at your phone and figuring out what's going on and getting commands and things um they put a there's a lot of emphasis on that, and I think that they handle it
1: pretty well, yeah <clears throat> all right. Uh I watched a short titled Sunday, which I checked this out, uh it was it's playing over at uh Filmmaker magazine for free on their site there. And uh this is directed by Iva Kocheva and she is she was she was in the movie Embers. Uh she was the the other half of the couple with uh damn it, what's that guy's name? Ritter. Jason Ritter. Jason Ritter, yeah. She was the other half of that couple. So this is a movie directed by her. Um, Kind of, I think it's only like 12, 14 minutes. It is interesting. It's a woman who her visa runs out. And she's kind of like, she's not entirely sure what what she's going to do. She's just kind of thrust into a situation where she's got to figure something out in a short amount of time. And it's just kind of this uh, footage shot of her just kind of wandering around the city. Taking pictures uh, while the the audio that plays over top of that is her being interviewed by the director about her situation, what it, what home means to her, and those types of things. And it's just the the cinematography in this is exceptional, and just the way the everything is essentially just structured, the execution of it all because it's just it's a pretty simple film, but it just works works quite well, and it gets it done quick. That's becoming a big thing for me. It's just... Movies are too long? Figure out what you... Just figure out what you want to tell me. The information that you want to give me, And just do it. Stop dicking around. Okay? Stop dicking around, people.
0: Cool. And you can see that for free. That's, uh... What's it called? I wrote a
1: review for it. It's up on the site. Sunday. Sunday, that's right.
0: Uh, Being that it's Halloween time, uh, this week and probably a lot next week, I'll be talking about a lot of horror movies. Uh, I saw Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer from 1986. First time watch for me. I've never seen this one. Okay. Yeah. So this is being re-released. They they did a 4K restoration, and um, I was uh, sent a screener for this one. Uh, this is directed by uh, John McNaughton. Uh, this movie holds up. I mean, it's weird because I never saw it like a long time ago. And I don't have any kind of point of reference for this. So I only saw the restored copy. And I also think that this is a movie that was pretty groundbreaking when it came out because of the level of brutality that is shown. And I can't imagine what audiences thought of this movie when it came out in 1986. Because when I watched it today, I was like, wow, this is really intense. Like this movie... Is disturbing. It is deeply disturbing. I think that a lot of that has to do with how they how it's shot. It's the way that they they shoot it at the beginning. You don't see Henry actually killing people. You just see the aftermath. You just you, you see the dead body of his victims, and then you kind of hear um, you, you hear the attack taking place, uh, but you don't see it. You just it, they they stay focused on the dead body. Uh, so that in and of itself is a it's it was a creative way of showing it, and in, in a lot of ways it was more brutal than actually seeing the attack take place. Now later on in the movie you actually do see him kill a significant number of people, and that's just as effective. Uh, hmm. Very disturbing film. Uh, one of the things that makes it more disturbing is that at one point um, he he ends up getting his friend involved and he sort of turns his friend into a serial killer too and they start videotaping the the murders and the kind of mayhem that they're causing and a lot of it, and they show you a lot of these tapes and they're all shot on VHS and they're just, yeah. it's just so raw and uh, horrible to watch. Um, but it, it, it's a pretty brilliant film and even though it is, uh, a very difficult experience. Uh, I would highly recommend it if if you haven't seen it.
1: Sounds like it's a good film, but at the same time, it sounds like I don't want to see.
0: Yeah. it Yeah, well, that's that's one of the reasons that I haven't that it's been you know that I never watched it because you know they they talk about this movie in a lot of a lot of books I've read about controversy and film and stuff like that. So I knew I I've known all about this movie for years and years and years, but. As such, it was like one of these where it's like I don't need to see that. I don't. I don't need to to witness that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm after seeing it. I'm, I'm glad I did because now this was just when this came out. I mean, there was there was nothing really on this level. I mean, certainly there were there were brutal movies that came out before this. I mean, you have like Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave and films like that. But the level of realism in this movie is. Is much different, and as such, it kind of makes it even more disturbing. Mm. And uh, amazing performance by Michael Rooker as well.
1: Hmm. That's all I have because I was busy watching uh, the new Black Mirror. Oh, we'll get into that. We'll get
0: into that in just a second. I have one other one that I'll mention um, before we talk about Black Mirror. Uh, it was one that I just just watched uh, today, right before recording, actually. I don't have a lot to say about it. It's called Blood Rage. Uh, one of blood the th- one of the things that I'm going to try to do this ha- we... this Halloween is focus on '80s horror movies. I love '80s wow. horror movies. I've seen a shit ton, but there are a lot of kind of hidden gems and smaller, lesser known titles that I have not seen. So I'm going to try to fill in I a lot of came, the gaps.
1: I just reminded me that I need to work on that list of all the films that are just blood something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you can add this one to the list, although I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, so this is... This came out in 1987. It's a slasher film, and it's about two... It's about two twin brothers who, when they were very young, like 10 or 12, one of the, one of the brothers brutally murders uh, a teenager at a drive-in movie theater, and mm. he frames his his brother. Love it. So his... The, the innocent brother ends up going to an institution for 10 years where where the the real killer is out doing his thing and the the brother that's institutionalized he was in such shock over the event that he kind of suppressed it and he didn't really he didn't really know what happened and then through years and years of therapy he eventually realize like I didn't I didn't do this it was my brother my brother's the one out there so what he does is he escapes the institution to try to bring his brother to justice and as soon as his brother finds out that that he escaped he starts killing people again and uh this movie very very high body count in this movie uh and a lot of the a lot of the kills are are pretty graphic and the the makeup the gore effects are pretty good. Super low budget movie. It it looks like shit. It's edited like shit. The acting is pretty terrible. And the sound mixing is atrocious. There were times, it was one of those movies where sometimes the conversations that they were having, I had no idea what they were saying. So I would like turn it up on the TV and then the next scene would be so fucking loud that it would like blast my ears off. <laughs> So I was constantly having to fiddle with the volume, and I hate that. I hate bad sound mixing in it. And some of some of it was just so muffled that there was no way. Like, I could turn it up all I wanted, and there's just nothing. I mean, maybe it was the transfer. It might have been a bad transfer, but the copy that's available on Shudder is not great. But at any rate, it's not; it's a pretty average um, slasher film. Again, it's called Blood Rage, and you can see it on Shudder.
1: Which I accidentally brought up the wrong Blood Rage on Letterboxd. I'd just like to share the, the synopsis with you. This is from 1979. Apparently there's a movie called Blood Rage by uh, Joseph Zito. And it just says, a sexually frustrated young man kills hookers.
0: <laughs> uh, nice. Nice. Back in
1: 1979.
0: Joseph Zio. I, I guess, Oh, that's that's the guy that did the Prowler Yeah, and he did the one of the Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, he did the final chapter.
1: Oh boy, look at that.
0: That was the that was uh, the final chapter. Was a good one. That was one with Corey Feldman. Mm. That was one of the one of my favorites. All right, let's talk about uh, Black Mirror real quick before we get into predictions. So, where
1: where are you at? Where are you at with Black Mirror? I watched, I watched two of them. I watched the Shut Up and Dance. Which is do are you familiar with the titles? Can I just say like shut up and dance and you'll know which episode I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Okay. That one and playtest.
0: Okay. Those were my, those were actually which, my two
1: favorites. Which is weird because I didn't I didn't so playtest was Dan Trachtenberg? Yeah,
0: Dan Trachtenberg directed that
1: one. I didn't fucking know. The uh, that one was I that one was pretty fantastic. I will say though the, the the main character was he annoying? Was insufferable. <laughs> A little,
0: little annoying, which I, and well that, that my it, it was went to, was like, I mean, they even say it in, in the episode that when people get scared, they get talkative and they start to ramble. And it was, yeah, it but was he playing into
1: it. He was always talking and he was always insufferable. <laughs> so you, you're the worst. I hope I can't wait until you get killed.
0: Well, some terrible, no, okay. terrible, terrible things happened.
1: <laughs> Which is, it was just a really, I really liked that idea. Yeah. It's just, I mean, make that a fucking movie. You got these, we got, we have, they're, they're out there. There's ideas out there, but they're getting made into TV episodes.
0: Well, it's, it's because I think with, with that one, it was, it was a perfect length. Like I didn't need anything more than that. I mean, they could have easily extended it and made it like have more people be involved in the play test rather than just having one guy. And, you know, it's the way that that one is structured. So basically with that episode, it's a guy who he's traveling through Europe. He's got some stuff going on at home. His father passed. He's trying. He doesn't know how to talk to his mom about it. And he's doing like this this app that has odd jobs and he's trying to make some extra money. And he signs up for, uh, to be a play tester for this video game company. And it turns out that, uh, the device that they are, that they are, uh, play testing is this really, it's like a VR sort of, but it's super advanced VR. The thing that I liked about it is like, I saw the the twist. I was like, Oh, well, you know, this is going to be like kind of like Existence or any of these other kind of VR things where oh, is it real? Is he back in reality? Is he is he still in the the game? Yeah. But and it does that, but it it folds so many layers of reality on top, and then the final twist that happens at the very end, I was like, oh shit! You know, it's one of those moments where you're just like, oh shit! <laughs> and that's that's the best thing about Black Mirror is that it's it's. A kind of like a better like a an insanely better made tales from the crypt that instead of just straight up horror it's all about technology yeah and if you're not familiar with the show you can see they have the whole series on netflix so this is the third season and you can watch all of them on netflix and they're all for the most part they're all fantastic obviously with any kind of anthology series some are better than others but i mean they're
1: that wasn't I wasn't really that big on Shut Up and Dance. I liked it. That was all right. It,
0: I, I retract my statement. It was not... <laughs> those weren't the, my two favorites. Shut Up and Dance is probably like my third or fourth favorite of this season. I saw all of them, by the way. It's unfortunate. The the first or the final episode is an hour and a half long. So it's basically a movie. And yeah. that was one of my least favorite. <sighs> so it was it was kind of a... That was kind of a That's bummer. good to know because maybe I'll skip that one. Uh, m- probably my second favorite would be the I don't, I don't know. The fourth episode's uh San Juniper. I like that one a lot. Just because it's cashing in on eighties nostalgia. I was
1: gonna say it's it's eighties with Mackenzie Davis
0: and Yep. yep. So <laughs> that's that one's that one's really <laughs> just the <okay>, picture.
1: <laughs> of Mackenzie Davis. With the glasses mm-hmm. and the sweater. Oh, my goodness. The, the pastels. <laughs> pastels are great. They're underappreciated.
0: Yeah, that that's probably my second favorite one. The, the Joe Wright one, the first episode, uh, with Bryce Dallas Howard, is pretty good, too. Yeah. That one,
1: probably one of the most visually interesting ones. I, did, I mean, "Shut Up and Dance did get me at the end. Because the whole time, you know, the... And it says here that he's 19, which, Jesus, I'm a terrible judge of age. I thought he was like 16 at most. No, <laughs> he's like 14 or 15 years old. Oh, my God. But it, it I thought they did do a good job of – because it got me sucked in to the point where I'm like, why is this kid crying so much? Like, who fucking cares, kid? Like, just let him post the video. I know Who I the shit. And just hit everybody up on your contacts like, "Hey, don't watch that video. It's me jerking off. Just a heads up." Yeah, I um at first I was
0: like that too, but as it went on as I started having suspicions like is it something else? Well,
1: and my thought was cuz my immediate thought was like, "Oh, that's a clever idea of making him young because he would think that that would be a terrible terrible thing." Like if you're 30, that's what years I old, thought. Yeah. You know, and if if someone's like, "We're gonna post that video." Plus, you're just gonna be like, "Post it." I don't fucking care. What? It's just me jerking off. I don't give a shit. Plus, they
0: establish the fact that he's already kind of—he's already kind of an outsider. He's not very well liked. He gets picked on at work. So, yeah, so they've already kind of established that that he's sort of antisocial. But yeah, then they then they drop the bomb on you. They get you. Yeah, great show. Uh, it's already. They're already gearing up for a fourth season, so I'm I'm really excited. That I, I think one of the things that that helps is they get really interesting directors to be involved with it. Yeah,
1: they put a lot of uh, production value in.
0: Yeah, uh, Charlie Brooker, the uh, creator. He he does a lot of really cool stuff in the UK.
1: The first one yet.
0: You haven't what?
1: I don't know if anything's topped the first episode yet though, for me.
0: Well, the first episode was the Bryce the Dallas episode. Howard one. Or do you mean No, no the no, no, whole, I mean whole a series? Black,
1: black, yeah, Black Mirror of the Year, the the entirety of it.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Which I don't even remember which one that was. It was the one where they <laughs> fuck the pig? Oh yeah. Where they made a move the national anthem <laughs> with the prime minister. Well, it, that one was interesting because I didn't know anything about the show when I first saw it. Like, so I, I had no I, I didn't even know it was an anthology. I didn't, I knew nothing about it. So after that first episode. I was completely hooked, and I was like this is this is awesome i like that I like that some of them that it's not all the same, like they don't all take place in the future, some of them take yeah. place in the present day, and it just has a focus on current technology that's available now, yeah, like the like the shut up and dance like that could happen now like that's something that is oh, yeah. completely plausible, but yeah, great show, highly recommend let's talk about some predictions. Uh, what did we do last week? Jack Reacher never go back You said 56 I said 68 Actual 40 People not loving mm. it, People not loving the Jack Reacher 2 2 Jack 2 Reacher uh, I could call it uh, Keeping up with the no. Joneses You said 24 I said 36 Actual 17 Apparently that's the Final nail in the coffin For Relativity Media The mm. Yeah I mean the company already went bankrupt But I think that was one of their last Movies, and that's probably going to be it for them because it bombed. Oh. Ouija, Origin of Evil. You said 42. Or, sorry, you said 44. I said 42. Actual 81.
1: Wow. That's a that's surprise. Yeah,
0: what a surprise that is. I might have to actually <sighs> check that out. Remember last week, I said it looked a lot better than the first one. So, uh, we didn't predict it, but The Handmaiden has a 94,
1: <clears throat>
0: and Moonlight oh. has a 99. Yeah, just because I was
1: like, "Who's the one person that didn't like that Slant Magazine?"
0: Yeah, that's actually a pretty reputable site.
1: Yeah, it just seems like Slant Magazine doesn't like things.
0: Nah, they don't. <laughs> In a Valley of Violence, got a seventy-eight.
1: Seventy-eight? Come on. This <laughs> is at least higher than the Magnificent Seven, so that's good. What What did that get? Like a sixty? Or Sixty-three. Sixty-three. Okay. So I agree with that. I will agree with that, but both the Magnificent Seven should be more of like a twenty and and a Valley of Vine should be more like a thirty mm. <laughs> God <laughs> just, just shitting all over the movies you like. Yeah. Just shitting What else do you like? Let me shit on it.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll just we'll just move on. No. Okay. Next week we have Inferno. It's the Da Vinci Code sequel. Goodness. Third one Third one in that series uh, I did not like this The first two I don't understand how they I mean I guess people just Eat up the, the whole This whole series But for me it's just not That interesting What do you think on Inferno uh, Eighteen <laughs> I think it's
1: going to be a little bit higher than that I'll,
0: I'll say uh, I'll say 42 Um, That's pretty much it As far as big releases, not a whole lot coming (laughs) out next week. Uh, Let's see what we got in limited. Mm. Uh, We got the Oasis documentary, Supersonic.
1: Oh, thank goodness.
0: That's got a 93%. Uh, (laughs) Gimme Danger, this is the Jim Jarmusch rock doc about the Stooges. Ooh, rock docs. Rock doc, Jim Jarmusch rock doc. Heard it was good. Uh, we have one called The Windmill. It's a horror movie, a.k.a. The Windmill oh. Massacre. The tagline is, this isn't hell, this is Holland. I'm going oh, to see it just because I came back from Holland and I saw all the windmills. So
1: You are just going to see those windmills in a different context. Yeah,
0: I want, to, I want to see the horror version because if you ever go there in real life, it is the most peaceful, tranquil, yeah, nice just, thing. Like you
1: actually have a mental picture of... And being able to look at it in your mind and think, You can't make that horror. Exactly. exactly. Let's see if they can do it though.
0: You know those windmills, they they still they're still using them, even though it's kind of uh it's not like a, a big tourist thing, but they're still functional. Like they still make stuff in all the different windmills. Wow. Yeah. It's it's pretty great. Let's see what else do we have. Finding Babel, an eye for an eye, You've been trumped too. Oh, yeah, I, remember, I think the first one was about him trying to build a golf course in Scotland or something like that. I don't know what this one's about. I'd, I won't be bothering to see it. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. There's nothing next week.
1: Nothing. Nothing coming out.
0: Yeah. Hmm, it's weird. Uh, VOD next week. Let's see what we have. Hopefully there's some more on VOD. We have, no, we, not not a lot at all. All I have here on the list is The Unspoken, and I don't even know what that is.
1: Okay.
0: Blu-ray next week. Wow. wow. Where are all the horror movies at? You know? Oh, they'll they'll
1: be coming out in February. Yeah, it's,
0: what the hell? Perfect time for horror. This is for Tuesday, October 25th. We have Mr. Church, Skip Trace. Skip <laughs> Trace. Uh, I don't know
1: why that title makes me laugh.
0: It's ridiculous. It's got a ridiculous cover too. It's just a still of the movie. I hate that. I hate. Mo- I hate covers that use just a still of the movie because it's so lazy. Truly really is. Men and Chicken. I want to see that. The one with Mads Mickelson.
1: Ah, oh, the one. Yeah, he's got that mustache. <laughs>
0: yeah. There's a, the, the, I just want to mention this because it's ridiculous. It's a. It's a Blu-ray triple pack. It's a 4K Blu-ray triple pack. Of Batman v. Superman, Mad Max, and San Andreas. Why? (laughs) Why? Come on, guys.
1: That's good stuff. We have so
0: little respect for movies that we put three in a random triple pack. Fucking bullshit. Uh, Captain Fantastic, uh, Nightmare Sisters... That's a re-release from 1988. I think that looks like a Scream Factory release. Lights that sounds
1: out. Like, that sounds like something up your alley.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll probably check that out. Lights out. Um, I would definitely recommend that. Nerve. Also recommend The Exorcist Three is getting a re release on Blu-ray. Uh, okay. Really solid. Uh, if you if you haven't seen The Exorcist Three, that'll give you the nightmares for sure. Uh, that's pretty much it. What do we have on the old Criterion front next week?
1: We have uh, one Criterion. That's the Executioner by Luis Garcia Bernaña, which uh, never heard of him. Apparently, I mean, huge, huge. He's like like the most important Spanish director, and in Spain, they, I mean, he's an icon. Beloved, beloved. Like they talk about him constantly, and uh, I actually watched. They owned the the. On the Criterion, they have a, a documentary, a new documentary, where they talk with a number of people about him. And uh, it's really interesting, the doc. It works really well because it, it kind of, if you're in my situation, which I think a large number of Americans are, don't really know him, gives you a good history of him, the political climate in Spain with cinema at, during at that time. It's just, I haven't gotten to watch the actual film yet, but I'm getting pretty psyched comedy getting right pretty, it's like a dark pretty, yeah it's like a dark it's, comedy it's a dark comedy and there's a there's just a little interview with uh pedro Almodovar, mm-hmm. who um uh, and it's only like four minutes or whatever and he said like he thinks the main reason that his movies never came to america or anywhere else is because there's entirely too many people talking and it's just impossible to subtitle
0: oh interesting it's just
1: there's like six people talking at once
0: Oh, yeah that could get messy i'll be interested to see what you have to say about that one
1: it looks good i can't wait
0: all right well i think that's going to do it for this week thank you so much for tuning in you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net or contact us on twitter at filmpulse net and at filmpulse kevin and if you have a minute take a take a look at our patreon page patreon.com slash filmpulse consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber we appreciate that for Kevin Rake Straw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.